Beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, it was so wonderful to see the many beautiful crosses that you had in your procession that you carried with you. And uh, if you did not get your cross blessed for whatever reason, you didn't come into the church for that, uh, see me right after liturgy and I would be happy to bless your cross. I'd shared this before, but when I was a young boy, and I would think I was my granddaughter's, Sophia and Eleanor's age, maybe four or five, maybe even six, I was giving, given a glow-in-the-dark cross, just a little bit smaller than this one. And I loved that cross. And every night before I went to sleep, I would hold that up next to the light, next to my bed, to get it really charged, so that when mom or dad said, lights out, it would glow and the whole room would be lit up. It gave me such comfort. No doubt, I probably flew it around like a rocket too, to be sure. But there was something about having that in my hand. I slept with that cross. And last night after liturgy, my daughter said, Dad, I think I remember that cross in your bedroom you know, when we were growing up, and it's, I believe it's still there. It's got a little chip in the corner, but it gave me such comfort. And I had no idea what the cross was about. It was Jesus. I was told, love Jesus. I would kiss Jesus. That gave me comfort. And I was a kisser from the very early age, too. I would kiss everything in the house before I went to bed. My cousin told me I was predisposed to the Byzantine church because we kiss everything. But where did this comfort come from? As an adult, I go into a, an office building or a, a, a hospital room, and, and one of the first things I search for is a cross. Where's the cross? And when I see it, I get great comfort. I find great peace. When I don't, I feel a little off, a little uncomfortable. And then I cling to the one that I always wear around me. But it's interesting how I have such a love for this cross when its origins were so horrific. This cross was an instrument of extreme torture. Near as I can tell, it was in, developed by the Phoenicians to put someone to a horrible death through suffocation by fluid de developing in the lungs because their arms couldn't pull themselves up and they would slowly suffocate. A horrible way to die. The greatest fear I have is dying by suffocation. And then the Romans came along and perfected it. You know, and I've read too many Tom Clancy movies and that kind of books and that kind of genre. I've read where someone with a demented mind that really wants to torture, inflict pain for the sheer joy of watching someone suffer, their greatest frustration is it doesn't last long enough because the person dies. A tormentor will want to drag it out as absolutely long as possible to watch that person suffer 
if they could endlessly by sticking IVs to keep them alive if that were possible, and maybe it is, I don't know. And the Romans developed something similar. They put a little footrest, not enough to make you comfortable, but just enough to give you a little sense of hope that you could pull yourself up just a little bit farther to get just a little bit more air, which would make you live a little bit longer. And the pain of that suffocation, not to mention the psychological effect it's having on you, would last as long as possible. So horrific was the torture that oftentimes they would have to cut their tongues out because the profanities that come out and the screaming was unbearable to hear. So horrific was this kind of death that the Romans forbade it for anyone who was a Roman citizen. Remember Paul? They couldn't crucify him because they found out he was a Roman citizen. And so in its day, this was probably the most torturous way to die. And God chose to send His Son who willingly took on our flesh for the sake of being crucified on this piece of wood and endure that unspeakable, horrific pain that He went through. What is it that we keep adorning it with then? My ordination cross here is adorned with jewels. The cross of the true relic that's in Rome is just encrusted with jewels in the case around it. We have it in our homes. We have it around our necks. We speak lovingly of it. Last night at Vespers, during the Stichidia, that we sang, and usually we're too busy following the notes to really get to hear what we're praying, it says this. This is just one of many verses that gets the point across. Rejoice, O life-giving cross of the Lord, invincible emblem of faith, gate of paradise, rampart of the church, consolation of believers. Through you, the power of death was abolished. The ancient curse disappeared. And we are lifted up from earth to heaven, an invincible weapon that dispels demons, harbor of salvation and glory of martyrs, precious adornment of the just and holy ones. You bring the world great mercy. That and other prayers that we prayed at Vespers and even in some in Matins, if you didn't know better, you think we were singing of Christ himself, but we were talking about the wood in a loving way as if it was alive. How can this be a weapon of peace? What a contradiction. And yet we call it this instrument of death, life-giving. No wonder it was a stumbling block for the Jews who would say, where it says in scriptures, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree, or folly to the Greeks. Why would a god die? And yet, you and I, after 2,000 years, are still bowing to the cross, carrying it in procession. 
So powerful is this cross, it's so woven into the fabric of our faith that when we baptize a child or an adult that's going to be baptized in the font, the first gift that the church gives that child is the cross, the sign of the cross. The rubrics tell the priest, the priest makes the sign of the cross over the forehead, the mouth, and chest of the child, saying this prayer. Lord our God, we pray and ask you, may the light of your face be impressed upon your servant, and the name of the servant. May the cross of your only son be impressed also in his heart and in his thoughts, that he may flee the vanity of the world and every evil scheme of the enemy, that he may follow your commandments. O Lord, grant that your holy name remain upon him and never be renounced. Grant that in due time he may be joined to your holy church, may reach perfection through the awesome mysteries of your Christ. May he live according to your commandments and keeping the seal intact, may attain the blessedness of the elect in your kingdom. Through the power of the cross, he is, that child or that adult is given the grace and the power to begin the life of a Christian before he's even baptized. The power of the cross extends to every man, woman, and child that has ever lived and that will ever live, even without baptism, because it is on the cross that Christ died for all mankind. And this brings us to the point, what is it about the cross? It is about love, an ultimate love, willing to die for another for the sake of the other, even willing to die for one's enemies. The power of the cross lies from that font of love in forgiveness. We nailed him to the cross with our sins, with every inconceivable thought, tortures that we are. We nailed him to it, and he forgave us. And he knows that after that point of time, we will still fall. But through the power of that same cross, the power that continues to this day, unabated, we find forgiveness. When I was a little boy, you know, we all have funny dreams. When I was a little boy, probably my teen years, I remember having this, this dream by, by the shores of Moses Lake, and, and, and planes were falling out of the air, they were crashing and stuff, and, and I found myself crucified. And what I thought to myself, in the, what I remember of the dream is, well, this doesn't hurt so bad. Because why it didn't hurt so bad, it was I felt so much worse and so much sad, sadder for those that were around me watching. So that gave me, as I got older now, a little glimpse into the love of God. Truly, He endured pain unspeakable. And He endured it willingly. As we will hear in the anaphora, he chose to ascend the cross. 
But what overcame the pain was the absolute love he had for those around him and those that would come after him and those that were before him in his flesh. That is a depth of love that could endure anything. This is the love that the cross bears witness to you and I. This is the love that we celebrate this day. This instrument that was meant to be an instrument of torture has become truly an instrument of life. A new life that you and I have now and it's also a participation in life that is to come and the fullness of the life that we will have when it does come. The great gift that we have been given is the cross. And as we heard in beautiful mountains this morning at the Synaxarian, this is the time to rest in the shade of the cross. To reflect on the beauty that it brought about for you and I. Jesus said in the gospel, take up your cross and follow me. We oftentimes think, okay, i got to suffer patiently. Yes, true. But it's so much more than that. When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, pick up forgiveness and forgive. Pick up mercy and show mercy. Pick up love and show love. If you're going to follow me, this is the cross also. He forgave us, and now we are called to forgive others. And in that forgiveness, we find love. And we find relief from our pain, our suffering, and our shame. This Sunday is a Sunday of great love. The love that God has for His people. Truly desiring to destroy that barrier that was erected in the garden so that we could be united with Him again. When I was a little boy with my little glow-in-the-dark cross, I didn't really understand any of that. But it didn't matter. I understood what I needed to understand at the time, that there was something about that that gave me great peace, great comfort, and great hope. And after all these years now, 62 at the end of the month, it still does the same thing. If you watched me on a video, you would be surprised how many times I'm making the sign of the cross over myself. Constantly. Because in that movement, I feel Him. I feel that love that He had for us on the cross. We are all called to allow ourselves to experience His love so make sure you wear your cross and don't hide it. Let's be proud of who we are. It's a great gift to be a Christian. It's a great thing to share with others. Wear it proudly. Make the sign of the cross often. When you're in restaurants, pray together. The whole family, make the sign of the cross. Don't worry about what other people think. 
only worry about what God thinks. Let that be your weapon of peace, your comfort, and it will become a life-giving cross for you as well.